I agree with uh, Pastor Brian. That is going to be a great series, and I do hope you'll be invitational. I hope you'll come back as we kick it off. I hope you bring someone with you, but there's probably a right and a wrong way to invite someone to that series. You're probably not going to go to your buddy and say, hey, we're talking about the seven deadly sins, and this week is pride, and you need to be there. So probably want to watch how you invite people, but definitely I hope you'll be invitational. I hope you'll come back next week. Hey, it's exciting to be with you guys today. My name is John Bellis. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the lead pastor up at our Alpine Logan campus. I get the opportunity to teach here, I don't know, about once every four months or so, and it's great to be back with you guys. And I just want to say again, if you're here for the first time, thank you so much for checking us out. We hope you feel welcome today. We hope you feel right at home. And today we are wrapping up a series that we've been in called In Case You Missed It. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at some Old Testament stories that you may have missed growing up. They're not quite as famous as some of the big ones, right? Like Noah and the Ark or Daniel and the Lion's Den or David and Goliath. Or maybe you did read or hear about these stories growing up, but you missed some of the deeper truths in them. You missed how they were connected to Jesus, I've had some great conversations with Alpiners throughout this series. I hope that you've been having really good conversations with your mentor or with your small group as we've been going through it. Uh, and, and I'm excited about where we're headed with this last sermon. It's really been one of my favorite series that we've done so far this year. Now, up to this point, we've talked about a snake on a pole. We talked about a talking donkey. Uh, we had a young boy who literally heard the audible voice of God. And we talked about Elijah and the widow whose son was brought back to life. And then last week, Elisha's army of angels. And what better story to talk about on Halloween than a valley full of skeletons? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, we didn't plan it that way. We're not planning our services around Halloween by any chance. It just happened to work out that way. Uh, but I think one of the reasons I've enjoyed this series so much is so many of the Old Testament stories were really formative for me as a kid growing up. I was blessed to grow up in a home where we went to church every Sunday. I had great Sunday school teachers who really made a lot of these stories come alive for me when I was little. They had a big impact on me. You know, I was never really intimidated by bullies growing up because of the story of David and Goliath. I knew from a very young age I was going to name my firstborn son Caleb because of Caleb's courage and faith when almost everybody else around him was scared and unfaithful. When I was little, my siblings accused me of being my dad's favorite. So when I heard about the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors, I knew to keep my mouth shut and not talk about my dreams or they might throw me in a pit and sell me to slaves. So, so I, I get it, right? You know, as I've gotten older, though, and I've spent more time in the Bible, what I've noticed is how so many of these Old Testament stories point to Jesus. And then, in fact, really, the entire Bible from cover to cover is really a story about Jesus, and maybe you've missed that. So in case you missed it, one of the things we've tried to do is show you how the gospel thread is woven through each and every one of these stories. And my hope, now that we come to the end of this series, is that you'll realize that Jesus is really in the Bible from cover to cover. And I think once you recognize that, you're going to wonder, how, how did I miss that before? It's kind of like what a good plot twist does at the end of the movie, right? You, you kind of scratch your head and go, how did I miss that? How did I not see that coming? I think the movie that had me scratching my head the most was The Sixth Sense. Do you guys remember that movie? It's an old movie. I'm going to spoil it for you. I'm just going to warn you right now. But it came out in like 1999. So if you haven't seen it by now, that's kind of on you, right? But it's this movie about this young boy who sees dead people. 
I never said it was a biblically accurate movie. I just said it was a good movie. Okay, and so he sees dead people, and the character played by Bruce Willis is this therapist who comes along, and he tries to help this kid deal with this crazy ability, and he says, I think these people are coming to you because they need your help. So he encourages him to help some of them, and he starts to do that, and, and life starts to get better, and he kind of gets a handle on this crazy ability that he has. And then you get to the end of the movie, and you find out that Bruce Willis's character was dead the whole time. Now, maybe you guys guessed that, but I was like, wait a minute, what? No way. I even rewound it and watched it again because I was sure he had had interactions with other characters in the movie, but he didn't. I remember going, how did I miss that? So let's jump into today's story and see what maybe you and I have missed, okay? We're gonna today, today, we're looking at Ezekiel and the dry bones, and we're going to do something a little differently today. Today, I want to actually read through the whole story, the whole passage from beginning to end, and then we'll go back and pull out our three main points. So if you have your Bible with you or have your Bible up on your phone, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37, and we'll go there now. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. And I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. And the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but still... They had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood upon their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And they are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, O oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. So quite a bit there. And I just want to just pray as we kind of chew on this passage for a while that God would just reveal to us what he wants us to see. So you guys join me in prayer. Lord God. We are so grateful that you are a God 
who puts your spirit in us when we put our faith in Jesus. Lord God, this story is a story about renewal, about redemption. And God, I know there are people today today here who need to hear that, who need to know that you are a God who renews. And so we just pray that you would open our hearts and open our eyes as we look in your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Ezekiel has this vision where he's carried away to a valley by the Spirit of the Lord, and this valley is full of dry bones. And in the original language, literally means it's full. Like not there's just a few bones scattered here and there. There are so many bones, Ezekiel wouldn't be able to walk without stepping on bones. And the vision tells us that they are old, dry bones. And so not to get too graphic, but there's no blood. There's no soft tissue left in them. These things have been out there a long time. And then God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live again? From a human perspective, that's a pretty silly question, right? We know there's no way these bones could live again. But last week in the story of Elisha and Elisha's army of angels, we learned that our God is a God who makes the impossible possible. And Ezekiel knows that. So Ezekiel says, Oh Lord, you alone know if you want to bring life back to these bones. And then he tells him, speak a prophecy to these bones. And so Ezekiel does that. And of course, since God's the one who told him to do it, the prophecy comes to pass and these bones take on flesh and then they take on breath and they come alive again. As we dig into this passage, what we're going to see is it actually gives us a glimpse into part of God's character. And one of the first things we see about God's character is that his heart for his people is renewal, not destruction. Some of you need to hear that today, just like the Israelites needed to hear it. So I don't believe any of you are here by accident, and I, need, I believe that some of you need to hear that God's heart for you is renewal, not destruction. Because for some of you, the devil's been telling you that you're too far gone for renewal. You've made one too many mistakes. God is all out of second chances for you, but I'm telling you, friends, nothing could be farther from the truth. God's heart for you is for renewal. So that's exactly what the Israelites thought when God gave Ezekiel this prophecy. When God gave Ezekiel this prophecy, it was a time of great turmoil for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had been divided into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom called Israel and a southern kingdom called Judah. And over a hundred years before Ezekiel was born, the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians and they were drug off in exile. And now during Ezekiel's lifetime, the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah where he lived, is conquered and they're carried off into exile. In fact, as Ezekiel receives this vision, he's in a foreign country. He's been carried off from his homeland. If you go back and read the very first chapter of Ezekiel, he describes himself as one being among the captives. So all of this has happened as he's been drug off to Babylon. And God had warned the Israelites over and over, generation after generation, that this would happen if they continued in their idolatry and their rebellion. So I'm sure for many of the Israelites, they're like, we've gone too far. God's had enough of us. You know, the straw finally broke the camel's back, so to speak. We're we're helpless. God cares more about our destruction now than he does our renewal. Maybe some of you feel that way, but again, guys, nothing could be further from the truth. God longs to draw you to himself. So maybe you used to have a real close relationship with God, but for whatever reason, you found yourself drifting. 
you found yourself becoming apathetic. God longs to draw you to himself. He longs to have that intimate communion with you. Or, or maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe you've always put yourself on the throne of your life. And you've made decisions that have hurt you and have hurt others. And you think you're too far gone. I want you to know that God longs to draw you to himself. God longs for relationship. And it's not because God doesn't know what's going on. In fact, I want to back up a little bit and see how God describes the nation of Israel as he sends Ezekiel to talk to them. This is Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are a stubborn and hard-hearted people. But I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, God hasn't forgotten their rebellion. It's not like the nation of Israel pulled one over on God. He knows exactly who he's dealing with. He calls it like it is. They are a rebellious, stubborn, hard-hearted people. You'll see this theme of hard hearts versus soft hearts throughout the book of Ezekiel. And it's not like they've turned things around and so now God is offering renewal. It says to this very day they've been rebelling against me. They're still doing it. I'm so thankful that God is a God who initiates renewal and He doesn't wait for us. I'm so thankful that God doesn't wait until we clean up our act and then He says, okay, I'll make a way. And we read that in the New Testament as well. Romans 5.8 says that in this way God demonstrated His love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to take the first step. God has another purpose in this renewal as well. Ezekiel 36, 23 and 24. He says, I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. See, because of the sin, idolatry, and rebellion of the nation of Israel, God's name had actually been defamed among the other nations. The other nations no longer viewed God as holy. They no longer saw Him as unique. And I want you to contrast that to how they viewed God when the nation of Israel was being led into the promised land. Right? When they were being led into the promised land, the surrounding nations feared Israel because of their God. Think back to our story about Balaam and the donkey. Those kings were so terrified, they went out and hired Balaam to put a curse on the nation of Israel because of the great things they had heard God doing. Or if we go a little bit further, we see when they were getting ready to invade Jericho and, and Rahab hides the spies. And she says, there's no courage left. We've heard how your God parted the Red Sea. We've heard about all these miracles he's done in the desert. We know that you've already conquered powerful armies. And then she says this in Joshua 2.9. Rahab says, As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. And here's the best part. She says, For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth below. She's not even an Israelite, but she recognizes that God is God. That He is God in heaven above and on earth below. So there was a time when the actions of the Israelites actually brought glory to God's name. 
It actually caused the surrounding nations to know that he was different. He was way more powerful than the so-called gods that they worshipped. But after generations of disobedience, God fulfills the promises that he had made. He told them they would be exiled. He told them they'd face calamity. And they wouldn't listen, and so that happens. And when it happens, now the surrounding nations no longer fear God. They no longer view God as holy, as unique. They no longer think he is more powerful than the gods they worship, and God has had enough of that. So he's going to move and he's going to act. And he says that when I do this, all the nations will know that I am the Lord. God is going to act for his glory and his purposes. And it might be easy to throw stones at the Israelites, but what would he say to us? Have we brought shame on his name by things that we've said? Things that we've done or things we haven't done? Have we brought shame on His name by cutting someone off in traffic or flipping someone off who cut us off while we're driving around with that fish sticker on our bumper? Have we brought shame to His name when we were in the restaurant and they got our order wrong and we lost our temper with the server while we were sporting that Alpine t-shirt? Or have we brought shame to His name as we carried on that flirtatious conversation with a co-worker even though we're married as that cross hangs around our neck? My hope and prayer is that as Christians, we would be a people who would bring honor to God's name. That when people see us and they know that we love Jesus, they would say there is something different about their God. That He is unique. That He is the one and only. There was no one else like Him. Now, we're not going to do that perfectly. We're going to make some mistakes. And when we do, I hope that we would come to Him with a heart that's humble, that we're repentant. That we would ask Him to bring renewal because He is the one who has to bring it. And that leads us to the second point for today's message. Your part in spiritual renewal is to admit you have a problem. So the first step in spiritual renewal is just to admit you have a problem. To recognize you have a problem and honestly on your own power, you can't fix it. You don't have a solution for it. The only way we have renewal is if God gets involved. See, after years and years of thinking they could fix it on their own, even after years of not even admitting they had a problem, the Israelites finally recognized they couldn't do it without God. That they were hopeless. In fact, we see that in Ezekiel 37, verse 11. So this is back to the prophecy. It says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. The people of Israel are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. So the nation of Israel says, all hope is gone. We are finished. They finally get it. They finally recognize they can't do anything without God. And if God doesn't intervene, they are indeed finished. And in the first part of this verse, it talks about it represents the people of Israel. In other translations, it says the whole house of Israel meaning both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And keep in mind, the northern kingdom had been exiled 150 years before the southern kingdom. That's why the vision stresses these were old, dry, they've been dead a long time. See, no one in the southern kingdom held any hope for the northern kingdom. They thought they were too far gone for God to bring renewal. But God says, I'm going to bring renewal on the whole house of Israel. And I hope that would bring you encouragement today. 
Because none of you are too far gone. None of you have been adrift from the Lord for 150 years. I can guarantee that. You're not too far away for God to draw you back to Himself. See, it's not how far you've drifted or where you've drifted. It's what your heart is like when you recognize you've drifted. Here's how Isaiah says it in Isaiah chapter 57. He says, The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. See, this is our part in spiritual renewal, to have a contrite and humble heart. That's really all we bring to the table, to recognize we're a mess, we're broken, we need help, and we need God to bring renewal. Now then, once we've done that, though, this verse says to me that God wants us to move on. God doesn't want us wallowing in guilt and shame once we've come to Him and confessed our sins and asked for forgiveness. He wants us to move forward, right? It says that, that He brings, uh, whose spirits are contrite and humble, I will restore the crushed spirit of the humble. He wants to restore your spirit. He doesn't want you to stay crushed. He doesn't want you wallowing in that. And He says, I will revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. He doesn't want you to be fearful. He wants you to know that He has begun a good work in you and He's going to give you victory over whatever it is that you're struggling with. He wants you to move forward. See, knowing that God is going to do the necessary work in us makes all the difference in the world on how we approach it. And that leads us to the last point for today's sermon. That's that God Himself does the real work of spiritual renewal. We have to invite God in to do things that only God can do because the hard truth is you and I cannot generate spiritual renewal. Now we can try really hard and we can look better on the outside. We can exercise a little more self-control. We can be a little more patient. We can make wiser decisions. But at the end of the day, on the inside, we're still the same broken mess we've always been unless God comes in and does something that only God can do. Unless He gives us His Spirit. Unless he does a work in us. In fact, I, I want to look at some promises that God makes in Ezekiel chapter 37. You're going to notice in each of these promises that he is the one who's initiating the action. So here's our list of promises. Number one, he says, I will put breath in you, verse 5. I will put flesh and muscles on you, in verse 6. I will open your graves, verse 12. I will cause you to rise again, also in verse 12. I will bring you back to the land. And then lastly, I will put my spirit in you. In all of these promises, God is the one bringing them to pass. God is the one who is accomplishing this. Right? I mean, we look at this. Who is getting the, giving the breath to us? Who's putting the flesh and muscles on? God is. Who's opening our graves and causing us to rise again and bringing us back to the land? God is. Who promised to put his spirit in us? God did. God is doing the work. And it's not just in 37 we see this. If we back up in Ezekiel 36, we see in the same pattern of God being the initiator. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. God says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. 
And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I remember one of the things we've tried to do in this series is show you the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. There are so many connections here. See, under the Old Covenant, there was a, a ceremonial washing. And the Israelites would be washed so they could be ceremonially clean, but they weren't really clean. It was just covering the sin. But here God says, I will wash you with clean water and I will make you clean. I will make you actually clean. I won't just cover your sin, I'll remove it. You'll be justified just as if you had never sinned. What a promise from a perfect, righteous, and holy God. You know, in John chapter 3, Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, a a religious leader of his time, a Pharisee. He tells Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, truth, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot be born again. Jesus is referring back to this in Ezekiel. This clean water that only God can offer, this Spirit that only God can put in us. And I love it that he says your filth will be washed away. In other translations it says you'll be cleansed of all your filth, all of it. Not just the filthiness that others can see on the outside, but even the filthiness that only you and God know about. Not just the outbursts of anger, but even the anger you've hidden deep in your heart. He promises to remove all of it. I love that. What an amazing promise from God. He goes on to say He's going to put a new heart and a new spirit within us. That God's going to take that stony, stubborn heart and replace it with a soft, tender heart. And maybe the word that gives me the most encouragement is the word responsive. God gives us a heart that's responsive, that's going to respond, because guess what? Even after He gives us this new heart and new spirit, we're still going to screw up. We're still going to make mistakes. We have a fallen nature. But because of this new heart, when God makes us aware of those mistakes, we respond. We respond to Him in humility. We say, God, you're right. I was wrong. We respond. And we ask Him to give us the strength and the power to change, to make better decisions. And one of the most encouraging verses for me in the the Bible is Philippians 2.13. It says, God is at work within you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So God doesn't just initiate the spiritual renewal. It's God working in us that helps us live a life of obedience. Jesus talks about the same idea of being really clean and not being condemned in John chapter 5. He says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, And those who listen will live. Jesus promises that those who listen to his message and believe that God sent him will live. They'll never be condemned for their sins. They've already passed from death to life. And what was Jesus' message? Jesus' message was that he came to save and to seek the lost. That each of us, that all of us are broken, that we have a sin problem that keeps us separated from Almighty God. But he came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He went to the cross and he paid the debt that you and I should have paid. And because of that, we can be made right with our creator. 
So I want to wrap up by giving you the opportunity to do that because just like this passage says, if you hear his voice and you listen, you will live. So if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I would just invite you to pray a simple prayer, a prayer similar to the one that's going to be up on the screen in a minute. It doesn't have to be exactly the way it's worded. It's, it's about your heart. It's about the information you have and the way you respond to it. But I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes, bow your heads. And if God is calling you today, if God for maybe the first time is saying, I want to bring you renewal, it doesn't matter how far you've drifted. I desire to have a relationship with you. Would you pray a prayer similar to the following? Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm broken. I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I know that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead so that I could have life. And God, I want to go your way. I'm turning from my sin. I I want to follow you. I trust in you alone to forgive me of my sin and give me new life. The Bible says when we pray a prayer like that with a sincere heart, that God acts. That he gives us that new, soft, tender, responsive heart and he puts his spirit in us. And so if you pray that prayer for the first time today, I just, I pray that you would follow up on that, that you would let Pastor Joel or another leader here at the church know that so that they can come along beside you. They can help you get connected with other believers who can help you walk in this newness of life that you have. For those of us who have already done that, I I just pray that we would be so grateful on a daily basis that we are clean. Maybe I'm the only one, but there's a lot of days I don't feel clean. I'm so glad that God's word is more important than how I feel. That if God's word says I'm clean, then I am clean in his sight because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, God. And God, I also pray that that for those of us who've already put our faith in Jesus, that this week, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we treat others, that we would bring you honor. We'd bring you glory that people would say there is something different about the God they serve. And it's all for your glory and honor that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.